You're listening to Talk the Line, a podcast from the line of best fit. I'm Jen Long, a failed radio presenter who's now turned to podcasting. And every week I chat to a notable artist or musician or something similar about their deepest passions, interests and obsessions. The kind of thing they usually talk about once you've turned the recorder off. You can follow us on Twitter at Talk the Line and me at Jen Long. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe. This year, singer-songwriter Nadine Shah releases her third record, Holiday Destination. It's an album that deals with the refugee crisis as well as issues of identity and nationalism. As a second-generation immigrant, Nadine was born in the northeast of England to an English mother and a Pakistani father in the mid-1980s. Inspired by Nina Simone's vocal style, she moved to London in her late teens to pursue dreams of becoming a jazz singer and jammed with people like Mose Allison. Nadine released her debut album in 2013. Love, You're Dumb and Mad was a record prompted by two friends who took their own lives and introduced a theme important to her music, the taboo around mental health. She's volunteered with the Samaritans and been an activist through her support of Calm, the campaign against living miserably. The Guardian called her a theatrical pop goth, but she describes herself as a drama queen who exaggerates a lot. And mental health is the subject that Nadine has chosen for this Talk the Line. I feel like we actually should start by saying that we, we've recorded this podcast before. Yeah. But with the last podcast, the thing was... So when you guys, you sent me the, um, you sent me the recording of our conversation yeah. that we had. And obviously we're doing a podcast on mental health. And I think my, my issue with it was that I was, I was way too jovial with yeah. the whole thing. And I think you even said at the end of it, okay, a lot of that was quite playful, but it's a serious subject and you can contact this and this and this, yeah. should you be suffering with this illness and mm-hmm. need to seek help. But one of the reasons it was so jovial at the time was because actually I was in a really bad place. Right. I might have covered it quite well. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but I've probably put on a stone in weight since the last time we met and recorded that podcast. I hadn't noticed, no. I was in a really bad place, like terrible. I thought you were just hungover. No, well, well, most days, most days days I'm hungover. But I was having a really bad time. It was was really difficult because there was a point where it was like I was going to doctors and I'd just come out of a a long-term relationship and a lot of it was to do with my illness, Mm. which still has no name, but it's a mental illness, which has had 10 names or 12 names, whatever. And at that point, I was drinking really heavily and going out every night by myself, waking up on a bus somewhere at the end of the line. And God knows how I'd get home each night. My flatmates were so worried about me. Um, It was really bad. It's so strange, though, that we had like an hour long conversation about mental health and about the things you can do to help people when they're when they're suffering and, and just back and forth about our past experiences and the whole time I didn't even pick up that you were having a bad time. I think that's so one sorry. of the... No, no, but that's one of the problems, I think, especially myself and other people that I know that suffer with certain mental health illnesses, is that I'm, I'm a very good liar. I'm really good at, um, at covering it up because I think a lot of us feel like we have to hide it and cover it up mm. because it's not socially acceptable. We don't want to be branded crazy. I mean, at the time, I've been like an advocate and an ambassador of sorts for mental health speaking at conferences in schools and colleges, uh, music conferences as well, writing articles about mental health. And then to have to come out and say, actually, I'm really ill. I felt like a, 
not a, a bit like a hypocrite. Yeah. In that I can't really. Way. Yeah. Like you're supposed to have it down. You're supposed to be the the like poster girl. Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah, which is which is strange, right? And then I think that the industry that I was existing in it really amplified a lot of the problems that I had that were maybe kind of under the surface, but a lot of them, it's not the healthiest of industries to be in the music no, industry. No. And there's been, I mean, I know last time I was talking about this article that um, William Doyle wrote, um, and he's from oh, East India Youth, and he wrote this great, um, this great article about music and mental health. But then, you know, since this podcast that we recorded before, which is like eight months ago or something. Is that, no, it was, it was like January. Oh my God, no. How long oh goes my that? God, it's August. August, so how many months in eight? eight? Yeah, I know, you're right. Nearly. How, time, how, oh wow. I can't believe yeah. you've been doing this podcast that long. It's got, well, I mean, it's doing all right. You've had Martine McCutcheon. <laughs> so you're doing something She's right. so nice. I'm really jealous that you've met her because <laughs> I, 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 I love, I love her. I mean, I could do a podcast just on her if you'd like to start now. I could talk about her I and love, love actually. you were suggesting, should we just scrap that whole subject and we'll just do Scylla Black? Scylla Black or Martine McCutcheon, both. <laughs> the, the legends of today. <laughs> oh, well, poor Scylla of yesterday. Oh, I love oh, her. Yeah. But it's, um, I mean, so obviously William Doyle was talking about uh, mental health and music. But I mean, just I mean, in the past eight months, um, I mean, is it is it two artists which have committed suicide and... I, was it from Soundgarden? And also, we've got to stop Let's saying commit. Now. We also have to stop saying commit suicide because it's not a crime. Yeah, that's why we used to call took it. Took their own lives. Yeah, took their own lives. And I still, yeah. because it was such a colloquial term, people would use that term. I still sometimes say, "Oh, you know, so and so commit suicide." That means that they committed a crime. It's not a crime. No, yeah, you're, you're I, never, I never even thought about that. It's weird, isn't it? Because it's just so embedded in your like language. It's yeah. So it's you know, it's like. Just something that, just yeah. the, the, the phrase just, can't, they, they come together, don't they? Or like saying, oh yeah, oh, I had a crazy moment, or I was cra crazy ain't a good word oh, yeah. either. And like, like if ooh. I'm called crazy, I'm gonna, I, My house very clean, I'm a bit OCD like that. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. We cannot say that on the song. So I also said on the last podcast that when you, when you do do a conversation like this, like mm. I feel like I could put my foot in it at any moment. Like I feel like it's such a, a still, which is strange because so many people are talking about it now, and it's it's compared to ten years ago. Yeah. Mental health is so much further into the conversation, into political conversation, into public conversation that it, it really it should be something we can talk about freely. But it still feels like at any moment I might say the wrong word, and this is going out on the internet, and the internet is a place that is not known for its kindness and patience. Not at all. No, and so I'm just going to apologise in advance if anything that I do say is taken, oh, I'm, taken with, I'm with you on that unkindly. as well. Unkindly. I also apologise. it's just hard to have a frank conversation when you're just trying to check yourself the whole time. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, every time, well, I'm, I'm a bit more cautious when I go on Twitter and social media, and I, I'm, I can't be drunk when mm. I go on, because whatever I say is kind of concrete, and it's there. Yeah. And it will exist, and it's it's a moment of madness. Again, a moment of madness. Can I say a moment of madness? But uh, um, I mean, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. Have you been following the I, recent? I saw today, but I didn't delve. I watched the video of, of of Sinead, and it was it was such a difficult, difficult, harrowing thing to watch. Here's an artist who you know I've, I've 
she's one of my heroes. I've, I've loved her for a very long time, and I've always I've always looked at her as a very strong, um, a, a, a strong female. Yeah. And that, but you know what? That doesn't mean that that she can't have be vulnerable. And but this this video it, it it highlighted I think not only like mental health issues but also the um, the effect that living within the music industry and success can have on one as well. And actually, what we saw was a very lonely woman mm. and, and and ill, very ill, like desperately pleading with people. And there was something that she said I can't remember. I'm totally totally paraphrasing, but I have this myself, and I could completely relate to loads of things that she was saying where, uh, what was it? She was basically saying like, um, you know, whenever she expresses an opinion on something, a lot of people around her, knowing that she has a certain mental illness, will just say that's the illness and almost oh, don't right. let her have an opinion. And that's, that's a problem I've had for years, is that people will, get, will say, oh no, that's not a valid response. That's you being crazy. And it's, um, it's really, it's, it's awful to see, but, especially with Chris Cornell yeah. and... Chester Bennington. Exactly. And and also we're seeing now Sinead O'Connor. Um, I mean, Kanye West as well had yeah. an online and a public breakdown. Is, do you not feel that we've, we've like, um, kind of almost... I don't know how to... Turn, turn celebrities into such entertainment fodder. And we love the drama so much that when something like when Kanye West has a public breakdown it just becomes entertainment it's no no there's very few people in that dialogue saying whoa let's he's obviously not right and yeah. if it was any illness other than mental illness people's approach would be so different i wonder if he had said like Sinead o'connor in her video that we watched today i wonder if he'd been open and honest and said I'm not well and I'm mm. suffering. But then but why it was, he does he need to give people that? He doesn't need to. But it's um, it, it's a really difficult thing to... Um, I mean, I've seen lots of people have... I mean, friends as well when I'm on Facebook and stuff. And I've seen lots of friends have these kind of... It looks like they're having a mental breakdown in statuses that I'm watching oh, yeah. them post. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, we need to intervene and just say, hey, are you all right? Mm. Um, but Kanye West obviously did it on a much larger scale. Yeah. And then, then people love it. Have you ever worked it, in like a shitty office? Have you ever worked in like done like? No, I've you never. never worked. So when, I've it's never when you go into like it. the photocopier room and they've got one of those like Britney memes on the wall and it's like Britney when she went through that shave my head attack of photographer and I swear it's in like every shitty office you go into they have it there and it's like what what why? if you think you're having a bad day at least you're not Britney in 2014 or when, when was it 2011 I can't even remember way before then I think it was like 2009 big Britney yeah thing. yeah and you, it's just like it's not if Britney Spears survived 2007 you can make it through today oh thank you producer Paul that is in literally 90% of shitty offices in the UK <laughs> I can't, I can't, I haven't got a response to that. Cause that's but that's just, just so... how we just turn it, we just make mental health issues and celebrities into entertainment because that's what the press does, right? You have a big yeah, star no, and then you find any way to knock them down. Which is disgusting. That's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, if something's going to be crazy, that's, that's crazy. Uh, wow, poor Britney. I mean, I remember when I was watching the Britney Spears, you know, her, her, her mental episode. When I was watching, it, God, it was, I really it was awful. I really for a second then hoped you were going to say road trip though, but carry on. 
I really, I would like, I would like to watch a Britney Spears. <laughs> Sorry, movie. Crossroads. That's what it's called. Crossroads. Crossroads. Britney Spears movie. Well, I, I did see that as well because she's a class act. So, so good. But it was, you know, there, there, he was he was this kind of um, squeaky clean uh, America's sweetheart, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you see her shaving her own head. And it was it was harrowing for me to see. And I mean, I mean, that's how many? That's what ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, ten years ago. So I mean, I was a baby then, looking at that and thinking this isn't right and it's exploitative. And the same with Im- images of Amy Winehouse, completely mm-hmm. exploitative. I was at this um, conference at the weekend, just passed in Hull, and um, chatting about music and mental health. Um, and there, were, there was all this dialogue going on about men, and I think actually the conversation got a bit too broad about mental health in itself, which is vast, like we can't cover that in one hour. Mm. But regarding music and mental health, I was just saying like, we you know, when Amy Winehouse and Britney Spears, let's just take two examples. Actually, it's a responsibility of the management company and the record label. They have a responsibility themselves to look after their artists and to nurture them. And lots of them don't. And I've started to be a lot more vocal with my management company because when I met up with you in January, it was at a point where I wouldn't answer my phone. I wasn't replying to any emails. Having total breakdowns all the time. And then I had to event, and they saw how thin I'd gotten as well. And I had to speak to them and say, actually, I'm not very well. Mm. And as soon as I'd said that, they started implementing little things. Okay, if you're not well mm. and you're feeling, they're feeling this terribly, how can we make this a healthier environment for you to exist in? And that, I mean, that doesn't apply to just musicians, does it? No, but it's, it's, I feel like, cause I've, I've, I've been on, on panels before about this and I kind of feel like it, it's so difficult to find who is responsible. Yeah. Because you can say it's the manager's responsibility, but then... I don't think it's lot, solely... But then, you know, no, but then a lot of, like, managers will... You'll, you'll be people that have just come up through the music industry doing different jobs and you've... You know, you've found an artist, you've got along with an artist, and a lot of it is just, you know, knowing music and knowing how to do good admin and knowing the right yeah. people. And no one, as a, as a manager, it is something that a lot of people fall into. You don't really go, I mean, there are music business courses out there, mm. but not a lot of people I know who are managers have been on them. It's something that they they were doing PR or they were, you know, working in a venue or they, they, they were playing in other bands and they found this one artist and... They've, they've built them up and it's not something that you train for. And so at what point do you, do you train to understand how to deal with someone who has a mental health issue? Because I don't even think, I think it's a training like thing. A, a, you need to have a like professional understanding to be able to truly help someone, surely. I don't even think it's a training thing. I mean, in regards to managers or a close friend or a partner, I don't think it's a training thing. I think it's having the empathy there, which is... Okay, you 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 you're a uh, you're a sounding board. You're going to listen to this artist because mm. you, your your team around you they become like your family. So my tour manager when I'm on tour is my mum or my dad. Yeah. Um, and my musicians in the band are brothers and sisters, and it's like long tours, small vans, and so you can't hide anything. Like shit, don't go unseen on tour because it's because you're in such close proximity of each other. And it's the same with your management company, like you're in each other's pockets and in each other's lives all the mm-hmm. time. Even if it is just, you're all able to say to them, you know, when I come off stage, I get, and this is a problem that I have, get such high adrenaline peak. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, my boyfriend's sat in the room now and he's seen when I came off stage once, and this is like a few months ago, wasn't it? 
um, when I came off stage in Bristol or some Norwich, and then loads of people in the audience. I was thrown into interviews and stuff like that. And you're at and the then, merch table and you're signing. You've or you're always doing photos. you go straight to your merch table. You need to sell merch, or you just got to chat to people. Oh, can you come and say hello to the organizer? And yeah, da 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 da. Yeah. And so you actually haven't had any time for this adrenaline to dispel, and it's kind of still there. I got in the kind of porter cabin thing that we had backstage and just was like, Tom, lock the door, lock the door. And I just burst out crying, like hid under a table on the floor. But, and it's just, and I think that's actually, that's a thing that I'm starting to learn how to cope with. At first I thought, is this my mental illness? And it might be an aspect of it, but there's certain things like with adrenaline, there's just a healthy way to cope with it. Like take 10 minutes after you've come off stage yeah. to wind down calmly with your band. And these are things that I think that I've spoken to my management company about now and it's like, okay, they can't put interviews in after a gig. Let me, I'll do them before a show, but after a show, mm. you know what, let me have a glass of wine with my band yeah, or something. Yeah, you have to do after a show. That's oh, loads, ah, I've to do them really? loads. Yeah, photo shoots and interviews and, and by that time I'm half cut photo anyway. Photo shoots, photo oh, shoots and you just got all sweaty and... No, oh, sweaty, oh, sweaty and puffy and pissed. Yeah, yeah lipstick everywhere oh i don't wear lipstick because that would just be a mess but <laughs> yeah there's all that as well and it was ah oh, there's a little tricks though isn't there like what i was talking about last time we met up it was like i am learning slowly and at that point i was i was beginning to undertake some of these steps but like to just to curate the environment that i exist within to go like okay i know that like at that point, actually, I wasn't using, when we last spoke, I wasn't using social media at all. Yeah, yeah. And that made a massive difference, actually. I felt a lot better because of it. I've started using it again, and then little, uh, certain niggling things have, have started to come back again. And that's what it is, with, with, especially with my mental illness, and I know with lots of my friends or people that I've met, it's not a thing that's ever going to go away, which is kind of what I'm coming to terms with. It's gonna be a thing which is very present, probably until I croak it, but it's just ways of managing it, recognizing it, that I can, that that's how I can exist. So even my boyfriend, it was a very frank discussion. So we met, what, four months ago, three months ago, and I had a very frank discussion from the beginning and saying like, I don't know what I got. I've never had a name for it, but I have terrible anxiety, paranoia, jealousy, um, I lie, I'll hide away, I'm a recluse. And there's all these things and he's going, yeah, I'm still in. Like, wow, you're, who's the crazy one, me or you? <laughs> uh, but we, but it, I think like, um, so my boyfriend is constantly saying things like, I'm kind of like a rescue puppy. You know, you just, you just gotta be like, just very aware of what triggers me. And he's very, very patient with us. And I, I'm very lucky to have a management company and a friend circle who are very similar as well. Like they give me the benefit of the doubt a lot and they're very understanding of like my mood swings and stuff like that. But I think that's kind of any advice I'd give to anybody is being, I felt like I've had a weight lifted off my shoulders. And it's almost like going, I'm an alcoholic. It's, it's, but you're not though, you're actually, you're just ill, mm. but you feel like you're making um, some kind of an admission which is like a dirty secret. 
And it's not, you're actually, you're just ill. It's not a bloody well, dirty secret. Thing, if it were anything other than mental illness, it would be treated so differently, right? Mm-hmm. If you had a physical ailment or some kind of virus, it would, people would treat you so differently. But or Lyme disease. Illness or Lyme disease, as we were discussing over dinner, which was wonderful. Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I, I just want to bring, I want to bring every conversation back to Martine McCutcheon because I'm obsessed. It's fine. I mean, afterwards we can watch Love Actually and eat some ice cream. Please promise me this will happen. <laughs> yeah. But, but you're um, right. But yeah, it's, it's just, it, and also you were saying last time about how you'd gone to a doctor and even the doctor had treated it Bloody as hell. if it were like, you're just being silly, you're a pretty little girl. It was Which awful. is in, insane that, that I, I still can't believe that that even happened, like a trained yeah medical professional would still trivialise something like mental health. It was disgusting, yeah, that I was, I forgot I told you that story. Um, so yeah, I'd gone to my GP because my ex-boyfriend was like, you're a crazy person. I used to hate it being, but I still hate it. If anyone calls me crazy, well, that's going to bring out the crazy, but I, I really hate that term. I think it's very derogative. Um, and so I, but I, I did actually, the, the best thing about that relationship was that it, it brought out the very the darkest points of my mental illness. Mm. It really highlighted all of that. So I'm actually very grateful of that relationship and think he's a great person for kind of pointing these things out and I'm very grateful actually. Um, but I ended up going to the, my GP about it rather than seeking, I kept going to like alternative therapies, to yeah. loads of alternative therapies. So I took up yoga. Why do you think? Because I, you know, Instagram told me that it was dead good for me. So. <laughs> I went to yoga and I just wanted to kick the shit out of everybody. I left there and I wanted to just punch stuff. I was like, I can't touch my toes and she is lush and she's showing I'm going to punch her. Oh my God, yoga made I've me never a very heard of anyone angry leave yoga more stressed. Oh no, I wanted, to, I wanted to beat up and smash inanimate objects. Like, I've lost a lot of friends to yoga. I'm like, are you, are you going to come out tonight? Oh, I can't. I'm working on my zen. I'm, I'm not actually drinking. And actually, I'm like saving money for India. And I'm like, all right, fuck off. I'm going to be in Weatherspoons. If you want to come, you come. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> but, um, and then I went to yoga and it was, and I hated it. I really hated it. I hate, I hated the hushed tones. I hated the fact that I couldn't touch my toes. <laughs> and I had to clench my air, front area oh, to no, make sure I didn't. Why does that make oh, sure that no air escapes Sometimes there. they just do that. They, they make you like, just like tense up your bunions or something. They're called oh, bungers. That's like I a restaurant, isn't it? I, I mean, know. I went to one yoga class with my mother once and it was just like watching my mother acting out the Karma Sutra and I was like, I didn't want to see this. So yoga's, I mean, yoga's not for me, but I did try a lot of <laughs> alternative therapies. I even at one point, I, uh, I bought loads of crystals and I had somebody like breast, bless, breast, sorry, I had somebody bless my crystals and energize them. And I tried so many different alternative types of therapy. Um, acupuncture made me feel a bit better, actually, for a little bit. Um, I felt a lot less stressed for three days. And then uh, I thought, okay, I need to go, I need to go down the proper medical route. So I'm yeah. going to go to my GP and let's just, let's go and chat. And yeah, I was disgusted in their response. Um, I told them, we had this kind of a, give me an A4 sheet of paper, yeah. which had on it like all these different questions of like, uh, say a day to day, would you say, and if, um, do you ever have suicidal thoughts? And if they're often, 
you'll write 10 and if they're not often you'll write one and at that point I wrote 10 you know and it, all these things are quite alarming and I was like yeah, yeah I want to come myself most days at yeah, 10 uh, do you feel isolated yeah I'm, I'm by myself most of the time 10 and oh, and alarm bells would it with any other doctor and I hope any other doctor I hope this was one specific yeah, case yeah. but I would hope that anybody else would say okay you we need to source you some help and you need it now mm. And the doctor looked at this sheet of A4 paper and said to me, listen, you're a pretty girl. I think you just, you know, you, you need to go on holiday. And I, I didn't, I was so shocked at his response. I didn't really know what to say. And then he went on to ask me things like, have you got a boyfriend? And I'd said, no. He's like, oh, we well, you know you're a pretty girl. I mean, you should have, maybe you need a boyfriend. I mean, you're in your thirties, you know, a boyfriend on a holiday. And, I, and then I kind of, but I, I was, I don't know, I was in such a bad way at the time I left. I think a bit of me was also very, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was uh, um, quite pleased that he said I was pretty. It was quite <laughs> nice. So I kind of left there going, well, I know I'm fit. Um, but I'd, I'd left there and I felt, okay, actually, maybe, maybe the way that I feel about, maybe the way I'm feeling at the minute is futile or frivolous. I think, it, I think it's frivolous. He made me feel like, my problems I mean, were it much, takes so much smaller. It takes so much to go and make that appointment and have that conversation to start with, to then yeah. be told that you're being silly. Mm -hmm. It's the worst. That's well, that, it, it was awful because I actually it, it took it took a lot for me to, to go there. Yeah. And and then after that, I felt I felt stupid. I felt humiliated. And then after that, I felt really angry at the system, and so I refused to go to any any doctors again until a point where actually after we had our last interview there was a point where I wanted to take my own life again and luckily my my housemate found me and I was in a really bad way and um, she took me to A&E that day and was like I just need to put you somewhere I don't know what to do with you and my, mm. my poor housemate she's amazing but it's also it's such a responsibility on the loved ones around me as well whether it be a partner or it be a best friend I mean, my best friend, she was, it, it must mentally affect her as well to yeah. see her friend going through this. And she just, she didn't know, she either takes me to the police station yeah. or she takes me to hospital and she took me to hospital. And they started making small steps with me there. And that was, that was a real turning point for me. And that was about five months ago. Okay. Which is, I mean, it's, it, I think it's, I think it's the thing I'm coming to terms with now. It's going to be constant and mm. there's going to be, there's going to be times over the next, Let's hope for, I mean, I'm 31 now. Let's hope for 40 more minimum. And there's going to be times over the next 40 years where I'm going to have four days where it feels like the darkest ever. Mm. And I'm like, there isn't, there's no getting past this. But I just know with hindsight, I do. Yeah. I do get past them. They're awful. But um, I mean, just talking to you now is so different to our last podcast. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay. But I, think, but I just thought we were, I thought we were just having our, our, our oh, it sounds really bad to say, I thought we were having a laugh. Um, well, I kind of was, it was a, a welcome distraction. Like, this is not what I was expecting. I thought it would be a much more intense conversation. And then you were like, lol, and I was like, all right, lol. But I think that is like, especially for me, I mean, whether it be like you're talking about mental health or... we talked about how whenever we feel like, in pressured in situations where yeah. we're like showing too much of ourselves we go we just crack a joke it's like yeah. a defense mechanism oh, you're just like fart. yeah or you're like <laughs> just need to go kidding 
<gasps> oh, I think I'm going to kill myself. Just kidding. Jokes. But I think there's still a bit of... And at not one point did I think, well, maybe Nadine's not okay, actually. Maybe maybe we should... Hmm. It's, it's a good really, job. With it's, it's, I feel terrible. Actually, you shouldn't feel terrible at all. Like it's, I'm, I'm very uh, me and myself, me and myself. Oh my gosh, me, me and my and split personality. And um, me and some of the close friends of mine and, and people that I've spoken to with a similar illness, which has no name or it has many names. Um, you do learn to um, become quite a good layer. Yeah. In in I mean because I, I, um, I also have an eating disorder as well, which is related to my. Um, my mental health illness and uh, I, I'm also bulimic I haven't been it, it's not so present for the past few months it hasn't been very present that's why I'm saying to you that I've also put a, about a stone in weight on um, and especially with bulimia um, you become very good you become a very good liar it's ha- you have to make excuses all the time up. yeah well luckily I smoke so that kind of that would uh, kind of disguise certain kind of sicky smells I suppose oh, acidic yeah. smells but I was carrying perfume, but you always, you come up with lies. So I started telling people I'm lactose intolerant. And actually when I ate that pizza, uh, it was the cheese, I, I, I forgot that I'm not. You just you come up with these ridiculous lies and you get become very convincing. Um, and so it's, and I'm so sorry that you said you feel terrible about the last time oh, you should no, I mean, I mean, you know, it's I, just one of these I'll, things, I'll isn't okay. it? <laughs> Are you sure? But I'm, I just, I'm just apologizing to you really. Cause we had, uh-uh. I felt like we had such a, frank discussion at not one point did I go oh actually maybe that one I even said at the end of fr- frivolous and maybe I shouldn't have thought like well, it, perhaps there's a reason why it was I think there's an element of like uh, when even when I go and talk to like students and stuff about mental health stuff um, I do inject a lot of humor into it because I want to I want I want them to listen, and also I think that when you do inject humour into this, into like very serious subjects, mm. it does just it relaxes people a little bit. A lot of people just don't want to talk about mental health illnesses because they're scared of them. Yeah, they don't understand them, and so if you do put some humour in there, it's like, I mean, I, I will I will still make jokes about it. Um, I think my boyfriend's starting to find some of it a little bit funny, um, where I'm like. My little gremlin's coming out, and I'm I'm seeing crazy. I'm gonna go crazy anyway, but uh, it, it helps me discuss a lot of my mental illness by by injecting a bit of humour there. But I think the last and time your personality, it's you, you you're not that serious. You know, no, you've got not fun, really. You've got a humorous personality. You're self-deprecating. Mate, like my new album's about like the refugee crisis, and I find it very difficult not to make jokes in between songs. And when I'm discussing my mental health illness, I find it very difficult again not to make. J- but it, I just I know that you know but if there's it's one fear person of being too serious, that fear exactly. of being too real. I ain't that guy. But you know, but if, if there is one person listening who has the same illness or you know suffers from mental health illnesses, and they need a bit of good advice or something, that's that's what I was upset about when I listened to the last podcast. Yeah. I was like, it was just I was. It was too playful and I was too jovial with the whole thing. And actually, it is a serious subject. And it does piss me off continuously that that we're still having to, like... that. I mean, I'm still having to now, at 31, having to, you know, shake... A, I'm not physically, I'm not literally shaking a GP, but getting them and going, like, I'm ill. But with GPs, I think they genuinely want me to go in there, banging like a pan... A frying pan on my head to be like, mm. I'm a crazy person, help me. 
But when I go in and I'm, you know, I'm dressed well and I'm presented well and I'm speaking calmly and eloquently, again, I'll get that response like I did at the yeah. last time at GP. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. But you said last time about writing things down before you go in so you don't get in and have that nervous panic and go, ah, everything's all right. Yeah. So that's what I did. I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Well, that's what I've started. Well, that's what I started to do. I started to, because um, I knew that when I get in there that I'm going to make jokes. It's just, it's like a defense mechanism almost, or like a, like a tick. I can't help it. Um, so yeah, I started writing down things that I could, when I get into an office with a GP or a therapist or a mental health nurse, I can just say to them, okay, like, ha 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 and all this, but actually here's this piece of paper. And that's what I felt this past week. Uh, paranoia, can't sleep, uh, suicidal thoughts. Um, bulimia is still very high. I'm not feeling very well don't want to leave the house. Like, quite harrowing things, yeah. you know. Myth. They're not so great. Um, but it did help me actually doing that. Yeah. Just giving this piece of paper over going, oh, there's the real thing. Mm. I suppose it must be tough for you as well because you were, you were such an ambassador for mental health uh, at the kind of start of your career. You were sort of like quite outspoken about it all. Yeah. And, and your, your first album was about two friends that you lost because they'd taken their own lives yeah and I suppose then you kind of got everyone else coming to you with their problems and oh, you're like sh- secretly like I felt like oh, what's a, who's a really famous agony aunt oh, when that... I felt like him or her what's the one that's in like what's the name of the one that's in like the news it's like a newspaper like dear Deirdre there you go dear Deirdre when I felt like dear Deirdre <laughs> people were sending me in emails all the time and it was like oh and a bit of me was a bit like, not just Dear Deirdre, but this kind of messiah complex for a little bit as well, where I was like, I am the saviour, I wrote the songs about the mental health illnesses, and now you come to me for the advice. And and I was dishing some out, sometimes you should do this, and you should, oh, you know what I think. And, it, and then I realised that it came to a point where I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You all need to see medical professionals. Yeah. And at the time, I'm a 22-year-old idiot don't get advice from me and so I did intern with Samaritans for a while just to learn more about the process um, and handling uh, that process but still even at Samaritans they're not medically trained they're they're a very very kind empathetic voice at the end of the phone and so if someone is at a point where uh, they they, they think that's it Mm. it's it's a last port of call really it's a kind did you work on the phone lines then yeah very briefly yeah And it was amazing. I loved it. Actually, I met some really great people, really great people. But I was very aware of the fact that none of us were medical, medically trained. Mm. And I think actually what that's one thing. What training do you have to have to do that sort of stuff? Um, it's, basic, it's basic training in that you, you do lots of trial phone calls, kind of script role yeah. play type stuff. And then there are, I mean, in a medical aspect, there's really, there's really nothing. There is really nothing. And then actually the, the thing that really irritates me is that the NHS website that I went to in some of my darkest hours. And um, it would be, you know, out of hours, you couldn't ring the NHS hotline. Mm. And then they would, on the website, they would then direct you to Samaritans. Now this still, to this day, baffles me, and it's still present on their website. A medical, a medical institution directs you to people who are not well, medically the, the, trained. That NHS direct phone line, the Tories shut it down years ago. Yeah, the and it's now, it's not medical. The, the, the 111 or whatever you phone, it's yeah. not actual medical professionals on the other end of the line. 
Mm-hmm. There was a big, it was like six months ago or something, there was like a scandal in the newspapers where a lot of them had been photographed just asleep at the desks. Oh, it's just, it, I mean, it, it's, it's minging, isn't it? It's yeah. disgusting. I used to and actually it's... love that actual NHS direct phone line, yeah. which was proper nurses because you could, it would save you from having to go to A&E because you would phone up and you'd be like, cut my finger. I'm... You'd be like, can, you, can you see anything white? And you're like, no. And they're like, Stay it's your fault they closed it down. This is Jen Long. Oh, every up, day, every I've, day. I've got a paper cut and I think I'm going to die. It's <laughs> no. just you clogging up the phone lines. Oh and God, like I had people this with cut on my leg. illnesses and there's Jen Long being like, I've it's got like, it's some white stuff coming out of it and it smells like cheese. And they're like, and they're like you, you just shaved your legs and you used a cheap razor. You need to go to the doctor. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> some white stuff and it smells like cheese. That happened. That happened. Oh, you're my favourite minger. Yay. I can talk about my piles next. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> They're internal, not external. So, like, you know, we could do not that. But, um, yes, aside from piles, um, which actually, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happier. Honestly, this is a weird thing. I'm more comfortable talking about my internal piles mm-hmm. in my rectum than I am talking about my mental health illness. I will happily sit here and talk to you about how, oh, I had to change my diet and I had to put more, you know, bran or whatever it is in I it. Mean, and again, please don't. But why, oh, do, you, why do you think that is? Because, I mean, it just feels like mental health in recent years has just been such a kind of hot topic of conversation. Yeah. And, like, there's been so many documentaries about it, so many news stories, especially within music, so many musicians standing Professor up and saying... Green. Really? Was a great one. Professor Green was a great one because he's a young man yeah. who's in like you know urban music world and he was speaking about it. You know, there's all these connotations of now if you're like the urban music world, you've got to be like very masculine and adhere to yeah. all these. And he came out into this great documentary about it. But just like you're saying, there's 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 so much more information on it and it's being advertised much more in the and it's in like public discourse. Yet it still feels like something that you can't just like blurt out in the office you can't sit in the office and be like oh god like you know i'm feeling somewhat suicidal today yeah but you can say like god i ate a really weird curry last night and i think i've got the shits yeah do you know what i mean and it's just that's strange because realistically having the shits should be more embarrassing yeah tandoori whispers (laughs) um I, I learned the phrase tandoori whispers this morning. It's uh, it Stop was... trying to talk about it though. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was just featured. I love the vase and it was featured in the vase and it's, it's those little silent, those SBDs, those silent but deadly pumps. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no, I'm going to, I am going to be serious, I promise. But, I mean, it, it, is, is it okay? I, when, when Professor Green came out in that, that documentary, Ed, I was so chuffed when it came out, because especially I've been working with Calm a bit and some other mental health charities and my friends who took their own lives were, um, there's, there's actually three, and they're all young men of a certain age, super talented, oh bloody gorgeous. And they were the people that actually, like nobody would have ever expected it to be them. Because mm. you know one was the most talented artist and gorgeous and one was so funny and outgoing and extrovert and, and people were very surprised that they had taken their own lives. But I've been surrounded by a lot of, especially young males, who have had terrible mental health illnesses. And Grace and Perry made these great bunch of docs about masculinity, in um, and you know a lot of responsibility for 
I, I guess as a woman, I, I mean, as, as a woman, I have a lot of responsibility as well. Mm. I'm 31 and I'm being told I need to start, I need to get married, I need to have a baby. Yeah. And I'm like, well, actually I want to adopt. And people turn their faces when I say that. Or, or maybe I don't want to get married or, you know, mm. and, but men have just as much, you know, yeah. and, and, and I'm seeing so many young men in a position where they feel totally desperate. But like you were saying, why don't people discuss it? I think with a lot of young men, it's because to them, you know, they're, they're going to get things like, um, they're going to say that they're feeling ill and then get someone going, you know what, just, you know, man up. Yeah, yeah. Grow yeah. a pair. Man up and grow a pair. You bugger off if you tell someone to man up and grow a pair. It's just disgusting. But, but that's one of the reasons people still don't discuss it. And it's all very well. Um, I think it was a big step forward, Professor Green doing that. And I think it would have, and there was also um, the footballer Rio Ferdinand. Is that his name? Yeah. I do like football. Rio yeah. Ferdinand. He lost it. Yeah, I love football. He lost his wife, and he was talking about his grief, his grieving process. Here are two. You know, here's a, a football icon mm. and an urban musician. Um, they're both talking about mental illness in the public, in the you know public sphere so mm. openly. That's amazing. No, That's making right. a lot of progress. I there think. is definitely progress being made, but it still does feel taboo. Yeah, which is why we need, why we're doing this podcast, why yeah. we all need to keep talking about it. Sinead O'Connor, that's just happened, and you know, I, I haven't, I didn't bother going on like Twitter and seeing what people are saying about yeah. it. I just hope that there's, um, I mean, I, my friends within my little echo chamber were just sending loads of love to her, and I hope it does. I hope some good comes from that. I hope people start saying, okay, well, what position is she in? Why is she ill? Who isn't helping her? Mm. Who else that do we know who might be going through this? I think it's just, it's an open dialogue. And I've been, one thing that surprised me bloody loads is actually like people in general are lovely. Yeah. Like really understanding. I would say 97% of people are mint. There's three percent that are total pricks, <laughs> just total pricks. There's, there's a three percent, and sometimes the three percent, they're the ones that shout the loudest. They're the yeah. little keyboard warriors who are sat there, you know, I don't know, masturbating well, you, in their own bedroom. Social media a few times, and I think that obviously, I mean, everyone knows that it's so detrimental sometimes to your mental state. Yeah. And everyone knows that what you put online isn't reality. Yeah, everyone falls victim to it. Yeah, well, but do ever, I mean, we say everyone knows, but I mean, I know I do know, you're right, you're right, everyone does know, but I mean, you I'm back on Instagram now. You know that just because someone's now. Instagram is full of them smiling and happy yeah. and having a great time doesn't mean they're not, you know, just sat alone feeling a little bit oh, sad yeah. or worthless I mean, one on of the a things Friday that, night. Exactly, one of the things I find really weird is like someone's on holiday and it's like, they've just gone on holiday to liven up their Instagram account. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm having a great time and I'm doing some time. They're not present in the moment. They're mm. oh, you're spending your whole bloody holiday just Instagramming what you're doing. You're not present. Which actually means that you and your partner are actually, on a night time, you're sat there just documenting your day in bed rather than being out in a restaurant, looking at stuff, or chatting to each other. But, I mean, I, 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 I'm still affected by those things when I'm, I'm back on Instagram now and I'm looking at stuff like, I need to look like that. Oh, what, what, what's he got in his house? I, I want that. Or yeah. what, what, but I'm very aware of when I, would, when I was really ill, um, when I'd go on Instagram and I'd feel terrible, 
very aware of how it made me feel. So I don't brag on the mm. internet now. I don't go, I'm in a new relationship and I'm really happy. Because also knowing me, it probably won't last more than a year. But um, I'm joking. He's, he's, he's gone, he's for, he's gone for a cigarette. But <laughs> I, also, I just don't want to be that sorry, person. <laughs> I'm not that sorry. But I don't want to be that person who just broadcasts your great news or every day. Like, I did this. And you're bragging. Yeah. Because I know what it's like to be in the receiving end. So mm. if something good happens, I'm sure people will hear about it. But I don't need to broadcast it and shove it down people's throats. Um, it's just, it's such a, it's such a strange extra dimension for us to have to comprehend and our brains are only capable of doing so much understanding of this strange modern world that I feel like you throw that extra force in and it's I don't I don't think it's surprising that that more people are and maybe that maybe more people aren't suffering with mental health illnesses maybe just more people are being open about it and talking about it but Mm -hmm. it certainly seems like like 15 years ago like this wasn't something that happened that people really talked about that much yeah well, I think, like you say, I think there's like an element of that. It was definitely present, but people weren't talking about it. Yeah. But I think now there's more because of this. Um, I do think social media is very bloody dangerous. Some people use it really well, and they can, and then they're fine. I think you just but have it's... to have a separation and understand yeah. like this is public, but this is, and then it's it's. Oish. It's an addiction as well. Look at like, like statistics with, I think Instagram's the, 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 the worst one. The worst one. Really? Yeah. And I like, I see my little nieces on it and I take them out to the theatre. I'm trying to do something with them and they're all Instagram and I'm like, give me your phones. And they're like, Anina Dean's meant to be the cool rock star auntie. <laughs> she's a bitch and she's boring. She confiscates our phones. I'm like, let's all talk and have a conversation. They're like, give me my phone. Oh. I want to Instagram with this week. And they're not present, but they're, um, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that wasn't around when I was super young. Imagine mm. the cyberbullying and the rest of it. I mean, I would oh, have gosh, been a bully, yeah. actually. I would have been one of those arseholes. Would you? I, would, I was awful. I was an awful kid. I would, could be... What do, you, what do you think that's because you weren't okay yourself? Yeah, I don't think I was very well from a very young age, and it's something that I'm coming to terms with now. I mean, we were going to originally do the podcast at Strong Rooms, mm. but I have beef with someone who works there because... I have days which are up and down and my jealousy or paranoia and anger, I can lash out sometimes at people and it's, it's disgusting, but it feels like a different person. Mm. And then I'm well, humiliated. I suppose we all have that side of us though, where you kind of feel yourself going down your little dark hole and you're like, don't get in a mood, don't get in a mood. And then you're just, I mean, probably not, not as for me <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so jealous of you and I'm well jealousy is a big thing but I'm so I, I wish that I had that voice that goes it's like a voice of reason that no 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 but you, you still things. ignore Don't it do that. you still ignore yeah. it obviously but, yeah, but sometimes you have that voice that goes yeah you know what I feel this right now but that's fucking ridiculous you're like let's just prick, get over it exactly whereas mine goes mine like my mind's my worst enemy a lot of the time it's like a little devil who's mm. sat there and he goes like I'm going to say he, so, <laughs> or, or she, but most likely he, is uh, sat in the back of my head and there's a grain of a thought which is ridiculous, right? It's a ridiculous thought that I've made up, like, who is that person talking to my boyfriend? Or are they more ta-? And then the little devil goes, they are more talented. Or he is talking to that girl and she is do-, And exaggerates and exaggerates it. And it's awful. And it, I can't quiet it down. So I have to, I have to verbalise it and say to a friend or say to a partner, 
I'm having this thought and my boyfriend's little trick that he, he uses, he just uses humour a lot. So just takes the mick out of this little voice and goes, what's it doing, what's it doing? That's ridiculous, because I love you, that's ridiculous. And like does a little dance or something to make me laugh. And it works actually, you know, sometimes. A lot of the time it works, but they're just coping mechanisms, isn't there? But I wish I had what you have. Well, you like, sounds like you do, do to a certain extent. Gazzle. Mm. Ah. So I, I, you're going to hate it when I say it, but I, I just go to yoga. You, you what? I just go to yoga. Oh, no, farting weirdo. <laughs> so, so I do not queef. You do. Excuse me, I do not. Queen la queefa. <laughs> My friend did actually queef in a yoga class when she was doing the uh, the shoulder stand. Of course she did. Yeah. Oh, she, she can she can do the shoulder stand. She can do the uh, yeah. Oh, she deserves a queef. Can yeah. you do the shoulder stand? Oh God, no, no. I did actually manage to do a, a headstand the other day. That I was very proud of myself. But it does it does because I have to concentrate so hard on what's going on and the breathing and all that stuff that I just completely forget what I was even stressing over before I went in. And then by the end, I'm like. Oh, done. Do you think that's, is that exercise in general? Maybe is that specifically gen- like... I think it might be exercise. It might be the endorphins. But yoga, right, it's going to really calm you. There was like clearing your mind. Do you do the, the meditation before and after or you something? You do that, you, 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 lie, you just lie down and you do some exercise and then you lie down again and then you might do an om. Oh, I just... Go give it another shot. I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another shot because I do quite like this idea of just quieting. Quietly. Come with me, come with me, because I also, I, I like I like a yoga class that doesn't take itself too seriously. Good, because all the ones that I've been to have been way too serious, and that's the problem. I'm like, come on, we all know this, this, yeah. this downward dog hour. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it just, it's just silly. Lovely. No, you got to find a, just find a good teacher. I'll take you to class. You're right, okay, I'm well. We'll go together. Maybe the next podcast will be about me and yoga oh my God, and that clean eating. Eight months' time. I we'll come do back. One on yoga and I, I've come back from India and I'm now teaching <laughs> yoga, like Ashtanga or transcendental I meditation. I don't, don't think you're going to be doing Ashtanga yoga in eight months. Time. Well, you just wait and see. All right, that's a challenge. Like, that that's like a, a challenge. challenge. <laughs> see if you make it a challenge. Me, I'm going like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a show. Right. Laid it down. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> yoga master. I feel like we should wrap it up with with a, some kind of like advice or oh shit i haven't got any yoga you've already given some pretty good advice throughout however do do yoga do i feel like this podcast is also going to be punctuated by paul bridgewater's constant sniffs <laughs> should we just explain should we just explain that you have a sniffy Get, yeah, sniffy over here well also because i mean because because paul is sniffing is the sniffing. whole way through yeah you can have a little blow just to go on <laughs> He's not snotty enough for a full blow. Just so I've for got a, just for a pathetic a sniffle in the corner. Well, it sounds well. You know, it could also if people can hear Paul sniffing in the background. It's that my story is so heartwarming this and so true. touching that Paul was just so moved by it. Moved the man to tears. But that's not. But I've got a really He's a cute cat. Soul. You have He's got a, a gorgeous cat. Really cute cat uh, called Rodney. And he's a Scottish fold, so he's got... I mean, me and Taylor Swift have the same kind of cat. So it's little dafty ears that go... He has everything a cat... He doesn't have anything a cat needs to be a proper cat. So he has a short tail, ears that kind of close over, and so he has lack of balance, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a bit rubbish like that, but I love him. 
I wouldn't recommend anybody else gets one because they're, they're bred cats and they're not well. But I love him and he's mint. And I got him actually because um, I spent so much time by myself writing. Mm. And my anxiety was so bad. He calms me right down. No, that but I think, fella. I think having an animal in your life, can it, it's actually good for your mental well-being. Like, yeah. there, I listened to an amazing podcast the other day um, called Reply All, which uh, we've talked about on this podcast before with uh, Dan from Bastille, who's also a big fan. Obsessed with podcasts. He's obsessed with podcasts. Go yeah. on. And they, they did this podcast about this guy who started this thing at these old people's homes in the US where he filled them with animals. And all, all these old people were living there who just used to sort of sit and stare at the telly all day. Suddenly they got this new lease of life. Amazing. Because they were like surrounded by all these animals and you can't really predict what an animal's going to do. You know, there's this, you have to be kind of, you have to sort of be a bit more with it, don't you? And also you've got something else, someone else to think about. Yeah, in that sense. That's exactly, for me, like, it's like I, I get very less, selfish. Yeah. And I feel it, the love for this little fella is completely selfless yeah and it's an emotion i've never had before whether it's you know, a, a byproduct of my anxiety or whatever it is that i have is jealousy and paranoia and so it's competitive nature and it, it's, it's awful but with rodney <laughs> my little I, it's pure love and i would jump in front of a bus for him i, I won't he's done <laughs> i won't i won't but i would do anything for this little fella and um and it's the responsibility the routine i, I love him but it's actually the companionship he really calms me down so I'm having moments of like proper anxiety where it's heart palpitations and the rest of it this little fella really calms me down that's the reason I got Rodney but he's um, the best little companion I've ever had I love him I'm a soppy but I'm going to be a cool goth rock kind of thing but (laughs) just like cats I'm supposed to be an indie wild child but now I just spend every night at home with pancake with pancake I know I just sit down on the sofa we put the telly on, she comes and sits next to me and Pancake's we just have a little a female. Chat. Has she been she spayed? Yes. Oh. oh, of course. Oh, actually, no, Rodney had his, he had the what, chop. Were you going to try and mate them? I was going to try and mate them. <laughs> I can't know, but you're trying to set Pancake up. But it's nice, you know, they, they, animals need to get their end away, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, I think she's just, own she's just happy with me. She's just happy with me. All oh, right, well, that's what you think. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cats are class. Yeah, they Get are. a cat, because they're mint, unless you're Paul. <laughs> And you'll have constant sinus problems. Get a dog. Get a dog. Or a goldfish pet. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so I'm allergic also. (laughs) Sorry. Don't let the water touch my skin. I think you should probably like end the podcast on a blow. Yes, do it. Go on. Go on. Let rip with your right issue. Just let rip. Oh. Satisfying. A big thank you to Nadine. You've been listening to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. You can find out more information about the Samaritans at samaritans.org and about calm at thecalmzone.net. This podcast was produced by Paul Bridgewater. Original music is by Seams. Subscribe for more podcasts. There is a new episode every Friday. You can follow us at Talk the Line. And if you like us, please leave us a review. If you don't like us, don't leave us a review. That's not helpful. See you next week.